1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Makers together and loving it. TNCs apply.
2: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. 903 here on SENZ, and uh, we've got uh, quite an interesting show lined up for you. Uh, first of all, we're going to ask for calls. We're going to start the show with uh, calls, feedback, Um, As the pain gone, as it dissipated just a wee bit from the weekend, uh, the anger gone, uh, practicality sets in. So uh, I'd like your calls on what you'd do from now on, now that uh, perhaps uh, you've had 24 hours to think about it, and just like New Zealand rugby have as well. um, I'd just like to hear what your your combination would be going forward. Uh, Would you just get rid of everyone, or one or two? It'd be interesting to see. I think um, there's no doubt about it, there'll be some change, but... Uh, what would I like to see? Uh, I don't think the head coach will go, uh, that's for sure. Uh, I, I just don't, but I, I'd, I'd like perhaps to see um, maybe Clayton McMillan come in, uh, the the, um, the Maori coach, very popular and uh, very efficient. Uh, I'd like to see Joe Smith come in. Uh, I'd like to see Leon McDonald come in. I don't think it's a time for Razor. I think Razor's uh, a whole package, and that's where, uh, like a, a World Cup Uh, A whole campaign, not just a one-year, twelve-month sort of deal. I think raises you know in there for the long haul. So um, I'm not sure that uh, bringing him now would be ideal and and be fair on him either. So that's where I'd go there. But I'd love to hear uh, for you, from you people, uh, in terms of what you would do, Uh, and uh, we'll take those calls um, very shortly. Uh, also, um, we've got um, Tom Decent from the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, he's a, a rugby cricket writer, but uh, predominantly we're going to talk to him about the rugby. How's it going in Australia? I mean, is Dave Rennie any safer than Ian Foster? Uh, we'll get uh, the feel on that. Just after 10 o'clock, have uh, got an interesting interview with Greg Mooney. Now, Greg's a firefighter by trade, but he's also a Kiwi long drive golfer aiming to get to the World Championships this year. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to him about the raw power of hitting it off the tee with the big stick. Uh, the panel will, today will be uh, John Day and uh, Patrick McKendry, Of course uh, quite apt that John Day comes back to the show He was here on day one uh, started the first year He can start the second year on the panel as well uh, And then we'll have uh, Terry Lomax Now Terry Lomax of course uh, athletics coach He's over there in Birmingham uh, At, uh, sorry no, he's in Oregon um, On the way to Birmingham uh, As uh, a coach of uh, a couple of our athletes So we'll look uh, at uh, what's happening in the World Championship So yeah, busy busy day
1: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon.
2: Well, it's happy birthday to us today. First one at that, after 365 days of bringing sport back to the airwaves in New Zealand, it's been cool, there's no denying. A real learning process for the old codgers like me who thought they knew a bit about the old bat and ball game, discus, a shot, 13 men, 15 men, 13 women, 15 women, sevens women, racket sports. And all of them. And that has been the fun of it, you know, learning. But it's also been a privilege to receive thousands of opinionated texts and of late get to know the Dinos, the Zades, the Tims, the Nevilles, the Careys and the Johns of the world. And you too, Ed and Hone and Charlie, uh, over the phone to have confirmed that New Zealanders really do care about their sport. Never more so than now. The beloved Warriors are a weekly concern. We hate them on Monday, love them by Friday till that next game when uh, we cut them some slack in the hope of the turnaround only to be teased yet again the black caps are looking like their glory days are in the rear vision mirror indeed the mace will be lonely in the cabinet for quite some time it seems but it's the all blacks who again hold court as we enter year two and for all the wrong reasons never before have the phone lines and text machines been smoking like they are now aside from the win-loss ratio and the groundswell of opinion to sack this guy and that guy with immediate effect the All Blacks are a business with a sizeable turnover attached. And that will be a consideration when the decision-making has its effect. It will be a multi-million dollar losing exercise to sack the current staff and replace it with a complete new lineup, as is the preference of the majority. That's why the Smart Money says, after the Please Explain will come the Bloody Well Fix It and Quick Smart. Fozzie and co. will stay. And you at home will be on the blower and the goddamn text machine as we begin year two. And quite frankly, we wouldn't want it any other way.
1: Talk Back Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's 50-dollar chemistry warehouse voucher. 0800
2: 150 811. It is 9.08 here on SENZ. Yes, please get on the phone. 0800 150 811, your practical solution after a day or two of absolute pain. Um, I know you're all sensible people, so you'll have uh, some logical uh, reasoning as to why you would make change and who you would make change with. And uh, it wouldn't be any other way to start a new year of uh, celebrating our work than with Dean from Dunedin. So Dean, thank you very much for being so much a part of the show in the last 12 months. We look forward to you continuing that in the next 12 months. What is on your mind? Can I just surmise it might be Rugby?
3: Well, first of all, I'd say happy birthday, Smithy. Like, at the end of the day, all you guys are my apprentice because I couldn't be bothered hiring her anyway. It cost too much in court to get rid of them. So it's nice to have someone for a bit of banter. It's nothing else. But, yeah, I, I got home last night, and it is rugby. I got home last night, and I watched the news after a couple of coffees. And um, I don't know where the you found Mr. Feeney to go on the news. He looked angry anyway. But I couldn't understand him saying that Forrester's got... Things up his sleeves. I know what's up his sleeves. Same as me, arms. There's no plan B. There's no, there's no nothing. And if I was to quote one sports journalist I absolutely love, and I'd love for you to get him back on the show. He has been on the show before. But the, um, the NZRFU, Peter Fitzsimon he's once well, a few years back at the Olympics when we won quite a few rowing medals. He said, there's only one thing New Zealand are good at. And he said, it's sitting on their ass going backwards. Well, I can leave it at that, because if we stay the way we are, that's exactly what's going to
2: happen. And we're the right in the time of since 2007. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that things are going to change. I know there's a, there's a groundswell of opinion they want it to change because of the passion involved, Dean, but I, I'm just looking at it as a business exercise as well. Uh, it'll cost them a fortune, you know, uh, to, to pay them out for the next 13, 14 months and bring a whole new crew in today. Uh, would cost a fortune.
3: Yeah, I think it would. But at the end of the day, it's going to cost them more because bums on seats, they're not going to get them. I was just at the law course just talking. People have had enough. But it's not just the crap pie and the over-expensive beer and the waiting in the line to get it. And that, Someone rang the other day and said you don't go to the rugby to get pissed. So I did either. But I took 10 people, so I'd like to shout them all a beer. And when I've got to go back three times. I'm missing 20 minutes. So they've got There's lots of things I've got to address and it comes right from the top. It's not just the players. It's not just the coach. But Enough's enough, Smithy. Like, we've got all the Silver Lakes money. I think they're better off to invest it wisely in Razor Robinson and whoever he wants. The unfortunate thing is they're naming a new squad on Wednesday, so that sort of tells anyone with half a brain they can't make change because you're not going to accept a team that someone else picks, and especially if it's uh, 14 Blues. Like I've got nothing against the Blues. I think they're getting better, but they're not all Blacks. There are other players okay. that are better at the moment. But I
2: totally, I totally, uh, yeah, I I totally agree with you, Dean, on that. I think you know, there's a bit of been a bit of blinkered selection, uh, and uh, you know, the, also the timing of of naming that first squad was was wrong. We talked about that yesterday with a couple of our journalists. Um, it was inconsiderate to a large degree, and and slightly arrogant to to try and overshadow Super Rugby at that point and uh, the deeds that were being done there, but. Hey, Dino, um, uh, as I said, so appreciate your input into the show uh, and uh, the fact that you care, I think. Uh, You're you're a great example. Cheers, mate. Have a great day. Uh, Neville from Dunedin. Also, Nev, uh, a regular to the show. uh, And Cameron Smith now number two in the world, Neville. And uh, what a great, terrific back nine that was.
4: Well, it was almost unbelievable, wasn't it? Um, His putting is just outstanding. But I remember him saying before the event, uh, you know, he got to the um, course and he was sussing it out and he said that he had it. <laughs> I can't remember his exact words, but it was something like he, he thought he had the course all sussed out for him to win it. And uh, well, he did, didn't he? he, had that one not-so-good round, but he said it wasn't as if I played badly, it was just, uh, you know, the putts went dropping. But, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that tournament, it's... Uh, it, it, yeah, the course is, is just, it's just different to any other course they play a major on because um, of the run you can get. And then, of course, the one can do, do, do amazing things as well. Um, Foxy mm-hmm. would have been disappointed. And um, it was a shame Ben Campbell just missed out by one. He just had a bogey towards the end and that that left him out. But he'd be very pleased that he actually competed quite well, especially in that second round. Um, I just wanted to mention some of the players who did very well over the weekend. Momoka Kabori, she had her first start on the full European Tour and after an ordinary first round, she raced up the leaderboard and in the final round early on, she was just two shots behind Hannah Nordquist, um, who's a multiple-A major winner, um, and she ended up tied for sixth in her very first event, which is pretty pretty outstanding, and she, she's really got a future, that girl. Um, and two of the boys, Daniel Hillier and Josh Giro, They were tied for second early in the final round, but they couldn't quite sustain it. But they both finished around sixth. And Julianne Alvarez, she's another promising young lady. She's over in America on the WAPT Tour, and she had a second finish, which is her best finish. So we've definitely got some uh, good things happening.
2: We have... We have Neville, and I'll tell you what—we're so appreciative that you do the the homework on our behalf to keep us uh, well and truly informed on uh, all those golfers at those uh, levels. Thanks very much uh, for your support over the last uh, twelve months as well, uh, Neville, and uh, please continue to keep uh, to keep uh, calling in because you are our golf wizard, our golf wizard, uh, Luke. Luke from Auckland. Good morning to you, Luke. Good morning, Smithy. My my um point is um.
5: I was just sort of disappointed with the panel on Saturday night and the media coverage after the match. No it's like for me it was like no one wants to ask the hard question. But it's like um I know NZIU has a um share in Sky Sport, but the
6: the um panelists, it's like they couldn't ask the hard question. Is um by is foster should we change Foster? It was like they were dithering and dathering on Saturday night.
5: And I find it really unbelievable in this day and age that in New Zealand, we don't have that constructive um, discussions and independent discussions because you've got Jeff Wilson, mm. John Kerwin, I think you had um, Karen Reed. They've all got associations with Foster, and it's like you need to have a an a, um, a, a, a um, independent panel on that Sky Sports show. Otherwise, it's
2: just rubbish because then you're not getting the actual <laughs> what, the opinion of New Zealand. Okay, uh, I reckon you make a, a very fair point there, Luke. Uh, there are friendships, of course, uh, within sport, within rugby, and you are um, human nature. Says you are reticent at times to uh, be very critical of um, uh, of those people that uh, that you know so well. But um, uh, it does come with the, the turf. You're right. It comes. There is a responsibility to be reactive and honest. Um, and so I, I didn't actually watch that panel. I, I'm the same. I mean, I, I put my hand up and say, you know there could be times when you could ask tougher questions of, of uh, head coaches in particular straight after the game, but straight after the game is is, is a bit more knee-jerky. Uh, you know, they don't have time to analyse and, and sit down and really go deep into it. And that's why I like the idea of a next-day press conference, uh, because everyone can just take a step back and be a bit more in-depth with their questions and their answers to that, uh, you know, I mean, it's so much easier, I can promise you, Luke, to interview a winning coach than a coach who's losing and under a lot of pressure. That, that is just the, the way of the world. I mean, for instance, you know, you talk to a guy like Andy Farrell the other night. Now, he said to me that that is the greatest thing he has ever done. I mean, now, he's a bloke with a hell of a background in sport, um, you know, as a father as well, etc., Uh, And Luke, he said, that is the greatest thing I've ever done. So, you know, you you get a guy in a very high situation like that and then you get a bloke under so much pressure uh, given to you uh, 30 seconds later on the other side of the ledger and you could grill him, you 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 could really go for him, hammer and tongs. Um, But what's the point? You could see in in his answers that he's hurting, he's stung um, and you try to to get that reaction. But I I do get where you're coming from. I think also, Luke, you should... um, perhaps this afternoon uh, on the run home, uh, give Kirsty a call. Of course, Kirsty is one of those uh, people responsible for the panel and just try and get to the bottom of of where they're at and and what they're trying to achieve in those post-match interviews and things. So I'm sure Kirsty will give you a a great answer on that. Hey hey, Luke, appreciate your sentiments there. Thanks very much uh, for your call. Uh, um, uh, I I do appreciate that. Uh, Michael from uh, Tōtokaka, regular to us. Uh, Michael, good morning to you.
7: Yeah, happy birthday as well. Smithy, you guys do an outstanding job, and it's great to have, um, you've got a really great mix of of people in your team, and and it's a great great product that you're putting out. So well done to you and everyone there. Um, My question to you, though, mate, is what? let's assume that they make a change. If you don't change Foster, you can't change anything because you're still going to have the same guy in charge, right? And I take your point, I think the people that you mentioned that should come in, they probably should come in and, and listening to a bit of a uh, download in the last 24 hours, it would appear that there's quite a few issues behind with the other coaching staff there as well and, and they got bad reviews. But if you don't change the whole lot, you're not, I don't know that you're going to achieve a lot.
2: Yeah, uh, I I get where you're coming from. I um, mean, the you know the old adage, the buck stops. Where does the buck stop? It stops with uh, Ian Foster. Um, so I, I see I see exactly where you're thinking um, in that respect, Michael. I just I, I don't know. I think if he had his time again, to be honest, and uh, was able to reappoint his support staff again, he himself would make changes. That's my gut feeling to, uh, about that. I I don't yeah, think he's got people. the best assistant and best qualified assistance. He made the appointment. You're right. Yeah, I know what you're going to say, uh, and the buck stops with him. But I, uh, and that's why I think perhaps, uh, perhaps they might uh, say, look, uh, you're our man, but uh, you can't do it with what you've got underneath you. That that is just my thinking. You, you don't see it that way.
7: Well if they put let's say they put Smith in, right? And and, and they yep. can give him a fancy title and all of that, but who's running the show, Foster or Smith? Who's gonna take the who's gonna cop the blame if it keeps going wrong? And I guess my second point is if they don't put Razor in now, you never put him in because and I don't necessarily say that he's the right person, but my point is let's say you put Leon McDonald in and the Maori coach for argument's sake. And they do pretty yeah. well at the World Cup, maybe get to the final, maybe win it, maybe don't. You couldn't You couldn't sack all of those guys then, do you know what I mean? That'd be totally unfair. Yeah, I so know. I think if if they make a change now and Razor doesn't go in, it's game over for him, right? Yeah. Because, because you put other people in, including Smith and, and who you mentioned, I think they're good suggestions from, from what you were saying. Um, you couldn't remove them in a year's time, you know? No one would take that job on for a year.
2: Yeah, Yep, I'm, I'm totally with you Michael, um, and the reason I, I think Joe Smith uh, will be part of it is because Joe Smith already is, I mean he was always coming in as a selector, as an advisor etc, after the Irish tour, full on, that was my understanding, uh, and now of course he can do that, um, because uh, he was reticent to coach against his Irish mates, but uh, they're gone. And we know what they did in the process. Uh, Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate that. Zane, a regular contributor to the show. Zane, uh, thanks very much for your support over the last 12 months. And uh, welcome to this morning.
6: Yeah, likewise, mate. Thanks. It's been an an awesome year having you guys on, especially after that gap after the radio sport There, So very much appreciate it. Hey, quickly, just on that point from Luke. Regarding the Sky commentary, I mean, I know you're on there, so it's difficult to um, to comment. You know, I do find the, the panel a little bit dry. But what I did want to say on a more positive note is, marshy on a Sunday with Ricardo Bull, he's very open, um, very you know clear and honest um, analysis of the game. So I recommend people have a bit of a listen to him um, on ECN there. Um, excuse me, regarding the AB, so I mentioned this to staff yesterday, I think one of our biggest issues is, you know, for four or five years now, we've struggled with the rushing defense, and this current um, coaching team hasn't come up with a solution. The other thing that sort of um, worried me a little is like, you've got a guy like RTS put on the bench on the weekend that was obviously a predetermined plan from before the series even started, and their lack of ability to change that plan. Um, he shouldn't have been there. You know, we didn't have a game plan that had adjusted through the series to, to combat what they were throwing at us. Shows that the current team isn't right. But I tend to agree with you that I can't see them um, chopping Fozzie. And if they did and they bought in Razor, my question to the people who are calling up and saying, Chop, Fozzie, is how many games would you give him before the pressure starts coming on him? Because it's going to be a very hard job turning this bus around. And people think that he's going to work miracles. If worst case scenario it didn't, how many tests before you start saying chop razor? Mm. That's my question to the, to the people calling up.
2: Oh, I think that's a, a, a hell of a question to ask. Uh, a hell of a question to ask. And I, I'm not sure uh, whether I've even talked to, um, to Scott Robertson, to Razor Robertson um, in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. I don't know if they have. Uh, but I'm not sure he would uh, absolutely jump down the phone and say, "Give it to me right now." I'm not sure that he would. Um, you know, for that very reason that you suggest, it's not going to be an easy fix. And uh, you know, to uh, to expect it to happen overnight, um, we will be dreaming because we've got to South Africa and South Africa. And if we think we're going to go over there uh, and knock them over just for the hell of it, I think again. We never have in the past. What's going to change this time around? Uh, we'll go to Bruce from Christchurch Bruce, uh, thank you for your support over the, the last 12 months And uh, good morning to you
8: Good morning, Smithy H- Absolutely congratulations to you guys as well Well done on your, on a year's work, mate uh, It's been absolutely brilliant um, A hell of a lot cheaper than uh, me paying out for a therapist every few months, I'll tell you And I'm sure a lot of <laughs> other callers agree on it Long may it continue, mate Um, And it's
2: good to (laughs) be our spleen occasionally, I tell you. Well, Bruce, what's your opinion on it? Well,
8: at the end of the day, it's a simple game, rugby. It's a business. It's owned by a business. But um, if you're going to treat it like a business, then you... You got to have. Um, I guess you got to run it profitably. You got to have people who who um, have had performance levels, what they've got to achieve, all that sort of thing. So I don't I don't know what the contracts say and so on. Um, put it this way: if they go to South Africa and they lose one or two tests, um, that that for me that's that's the bottom line. Joe Smith is a fantastic. Um, gentleman he was a, he, he's done it all I, I looked over his CV in the weekend and um, he's come a long way he's learned a lot in coaching and he's obviously good with people he was a teacher um, I believe if there's a change he comes in and he he calls calls the sites. I think Foster's had his had his time I, I'm not sure how they uh, if I agree with the uh, the transition from the end of one all-black coach to another. Just because he was um, second in charge of the you automatically should um, get the position. And I reckon that whole thing needs to be looked at. Um, I, Razor, if I was him, he wouldn't take the job now. Um, give it to Joe Smith. Get your team in and say, you've got it to the World Cup. Do your best. We're not going to judge you. Um, but we can't do any worse than what we've got.
2: Bruce, thank you very much uh, for your thoughts this morning Um, I I think um, they'll be sitting in uh, NZR headquarters at the moment uh, mulling over what they're going to do and uh, I'm not quite sure, even at the end of it whether they'll come up with the right solution but uh, we shall wait and see Thank you to everyone that's called in this morning Very busy and of course Chemist Warehouse Voucher we will uh, give away uh, when we make that decision 9.26 (laughs) here Heaps of uh, texts coming in uh, this morning and we'll be reading those out in the next uh, hour or two and uh, some really opinionated ones at that. In the meantime, though, let's go to Aroha with our first news bulletin of the day. Well, the sports headlines around New Zealand right now are dominated by opinion analysis and speculation around the future of head coach Ian Foster. As the All Blacks are under a lot of pressure before they head to South Africa, that tour is looming to start their rugby championship campaign. Stay the course or make the shift now ahead of the Rugby World Cup? That's the question occupying the thoughts of many rugby fans around the country with New Zealand uh, rugby remaining pretty tight-lipped at this stage, but we heard from former players, former bosses and journalists here. But what are they saying across the Tasman? Joining us now uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald is their rugby and cricket re- reporter, Tom Decent. Good morning to you, Tom. Uh, thanks uh, for getting up so early for us. Uh, it's pretty desperate times over here. What's the, uh, is there uh, much sympathy for what's going on in, Austra- uh, in Australia for us?
5: Oh, I don't know about that, judging by the number of people in the, the pubs in Paddington cheering for Ireland on Saturday night. Um, yeah, very, very different <laughs> scenario for New Zealand to be facing. Australia's been on the, the end of a lot of misery over the years for the All Blacks, particularly in Sydney. So Sydney rugby fans weren't too uh, <laughs> sympathetic, I guess, on Saturday watching that unfold.
2: Well, we've been carried away with so much what's happening on this side, of course. Um, let's not forget... Uh, uh, there might be a bit of pressure going on on your side as well. How do, you, how do you see where Dave Rennie's at at this current point?
5: Yeah, you're dead right. I mean, New Zealand's going through do their own thing with Ian Foster, but quite frankly, Dave Rennie's win records lower at 39%. He's won one of his last six A series where Australia probably should have iced the, iced the cake on that and, and, and got the job done against England. Um, yeah, look, an interesting tour they've got coming up against Argentina, obviously against former coach Michael Checker. Um like Quay Cooper could come back and play at ten for Australia against a guy who effectively didn't want a bar of him before the World Cup in twenty nineteen. So so good storylines there, but plenty of um, plenty of water to go under the bridge there. I think Dave Rennie was very safe heading into that World Cup. The rugby Australia board are very happy with how things are going. But it is a long year. They've got a massive tour up north as well. And, you know, I think it actually will help them actually play in New Zealand a little bit later in the rugby championship.
2: So there is perception that the Wallabies have improved under Rennie, yeah? I
5: think so. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a clear game plan. Um, look, they, they clearly missed their opportunities on Saturday night. There was there a was like a polish there. There was definitely opportunities to be exploited against England. I think um, so disappointing given that they played with 14 men in Perth in the first test for the best part of you know 50 minutes um, and couldn't get the job done. But I think... The proof will be in the pudding, really, in this next sort of rugby championship period. If they if they go down a test or two against Argentina, the drums will be beating, and then they've got to play South Africa at home, which is a little bit better than New Zealand. they have got to go over to South Africa, obviously, for that tour, and then the All Blacks, you know, be um, be very difficult prospect. But yeah, look, it's okay, it's okay, it's not panic stationed. I don't think, but um, you would want to get a few wins sooner than later.
2: There's a real trend over the last uh, two to three week period where there have been uh, Northern Hemisphere vs Southern Hemisphere encounters across the board. Uh, Tom, uh, I think it's fair to say the Northern Hemisphere have uh, come out on top of that. Is, uh, is there a, a concern there that uh, this Rugby World Cup coming up in France is going to be a bridge too far for Southern Hemisphere teams?
5: Yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it does, I mean, I mean, we say it every World Cup, but it is genuinely looking like the widest World Cup you know, in terms of teams that could win it, we know have good France have been playing like South Africa, um, looking the goods. We know England have just won this series here when they were sort of backs against the wall. Um, you know, Wales going okay. So there's clearly um, Ireland, obviously. You know, can talk for days about how they're going at the moment. So yeah, like clearly there's issues for the southern hemisphere teams, but I think. Um, you know, there, thereabouts, we, we know how well Australian teams have done, sort of, not Australian teams, Southern Hemisphere teams have done in World Cups um, previously. So I don't think there's room to panic as well. But there's clearly a shift going on. There's a lot of teams that are at the top of the rankings. We know that Australia, you know, um, are going to be probably seventh now in the rankings as well. New Zealand is sitting at fourth. So um, it's not looking like the table that we're normally used to seeing right?
2: Well, it's it's uh, quite interesting this clash you've got coming up against uh, Argentina in Argentina, of course, never easy. Added and the spice to that, of course, is uh, Michael Checker's involvement with um, Argentina. He's front and centre in that coach's box, etc. So, there will be spice in this series.
5: hundred percent. I think Michael Checker's, you know, does his best work early. It's been, you know, written and reported in the last few days that he did very well to orchestrate that win over Scotland. Um, coming from behind as well, he he once said he would never ever coach against Australia. He did an assistant role in Mario Ledesma for a couple of years, and now he's a head coach of Argentina against his country of birth. So it'd be very interesting to see what he does. Re the national anthems there, but uh, he'll be mighty, you know, motivated to to win that series. He he does, I think, in you know, a a big perfect world, see a way back to the Wallabies. Um, one day, probably the same could be said for Eddie Jones one day, they all have desires of coming back to Australia at some point Um, yeah there'll be a lot of heat and spice and and intensity in in those fixtures over in Argentina in about three weeks
2: Can I ask you Tom in terms of uh, achieving a settled side uh, where you think Dave Rennie is at, particularly in the 10 jersey as playmaker role uh, you know, he's had uh, some injury issues he's He's uh, had some old guys come back. He's had some young guys he's persevered with. What about his playmakers role, as nine and his ten? Do you think he's settled there?
5: I think it's a real issue. Uh, and I mean, I say that because Quay Cooper was going to be the number ten for this series. If you'd said before the series who were Australia's one and two number tens, you would have to say Quay Cooper and Noel Olesio. Um But then Noel Olesio was picked on the bench. Quay Cooper gets injured. Noel, Noah plays all three tests okay. Um, you know, his performance in, uh, in Brisbane was probably the best of the lot, but certainly didn't um, steer Australia to a series victory braining means. James O'Connor um, was hoping that he could be coming back and, and playing a major role, but doesn't seem to have shaken off that injury or sort of been at the same intent, at, you know sharpness that he usually is. And then Quay Cooper's done a calf. Is, is, is that sort of going to be a long-term thing for him? How's his body? He's 34 years old. Is he going to make it to the World Cup next year? a bit of a revolving door as well no one's really had a set stable amount of time in the saddle there at number 10 so I don't think he's settled I mean if you said to him who is you your best 10 right now I don't think most Australians would probably know deep down um, or sort of at least who's going to be there in the World Cup your number nine you're a bit more settled I think um, you know Nick White's shown enough um, in this test series and shown enough willingness to get through to even the World Cup and possibly a line series so He's your guy, and you can build around that. Who your reserve halfback is that's sort of a bit up in the air. But um, yeah, there's definitely issues there in the halves. I think.
2: Do you think there's a perception after a, a long drought that uh, the way um, New Zealand rugby seems at the moment, the All Blacks under immense pressure? Do you think there's a sniff for uh, Australia this this calendar year?
5: Oh, I mean, I, I think Australia would be lucky, or you know, counting their lucky stars, they're not playing New Zealand next because we know that. When New Zealand loses few, that's when they rebound in such spectacular fashion. I still think New Zealand a massive favourite for the they Cup, but yeah, like there would be. Um, I think everyone's still trying to work out how this has come to be. Everyone's trying to. Uh, it's 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 such big news. That, you know, the All Blacks have, have played like that and aren't winning. You know, they've lost obviously four of the last five. But um, it'll be fascinating to see what they do. I think um, there's merit in you know. I think obviously the the guns are Ian Foster and depending on what New Zealand rugby do, but um you know, uh, an, an interim coach as well, maybe in the interim to try and work out who the long-term guys might not be the worst shout. You know, you've got a guy like Wayne Smith there who's been around a long time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if New Zealand rugby did something like that, you know, for the time being, that to get him in and have a look and run the ship before you get your guy who you want until the World Cup and beyond in Scott
9: Robertson, possibly
2: so uh tom what was the um the reception for for eddie jones bringing england there uh, of course uh, you know i understand there was a might have been an encounter or two with a fan uh on saturday night but generally the the perception and the way you viewed eddie jones's visit
5: yeah look i can only speak for his sydney visit but he had the absolute time of his life being back in Coogee um, at the Ranwick club and, and being looked after that he had a smile on his face a week he was Treated fantastically, and so was the, the rest of the team. There was a bit of a shame. There was a bit of heckle from the crowd about calling him a traitor and whatnot. I think that actually just shows how deep that cut, Eddie. I think he was you know, so unhappy about that comment. And um, as a proud Australian coaching at the SCG, I think that just would have um, been a tough pill to swallow. But um, overall, I think the reception of him was great. There's, there's utmost respect there, particularly now, given... They've won this series in a very different manner to twenty sixteen when they came and steamrolled Michael Cech. it's meant three 0 and um, they really had to grind their way through the second and third test to win there. And, and particularly they had their injuries as well. Australia were riddled with injuries, but you know, England certainly had their problems as well. So it comes out of that, you know, the, how how much, you know, two weeks can make a difference. He was gonna get sacked two weeks ago and now he's on top of the world and another series winner in Australia.
2: It was an interesting uh, sort of, I guess, statement from uh, Hamish McLennan, of course, uh, who uh, is, is the boss over there in, in terms of uh, Australian rugby about uh, pulling out of Super Rugby, going it alone in Australia. Has that has that grown uh, any sub in any substance substantial way, Tom, in, in your thinking? I
5: um, oh, look to a certain extent. I think that's just a bit of posturing from Rugby Australia and and whatnot interesting this morning um andrew twiggy Forrest is obviously the the billionaire mining magnate who sort of effectively runs the western force he's come out today and and said much of the same so he's thrown his support behind that as well for australia to go it alone um which is an interesting take on the whole thing i don't know whether financially it makes sense there's no um clear-cut viewpoint over here on what australia should do but Clearly, Australia want the best deal for themselves. Um, but I think, I mean, my personal view is that Australia should stay with the Trans-Tasman um, competition. I think, it, I think it showed legs. that was great. Um, you know, uh, we didn't know the outcome of all the games as well. So there was clearly, it wasn't just an all-black, sorry, a, a Kiwi domination. So uh, I think mm. I think there's merit in keeping that. But Australia will push definitely hard to, to try and maybe go it alone or at least get a better slice of that broadcast revenue.
2: Tom... We, uh, at the moment, New Zealand are ranked fourth in the world. Uh, Australia currently sits sixth. Um, And when you look at uh, the way that, uh, you know, uh, forward players developing and and that sort of thing, I just wonder, are we paying the price now for not having regular rugby against those big South African men?
5: That's a very good shout. Uh, And and absolutely, you could argue that for sure. Um, We don't... You know, traditionally, Australia and New Zealand play that that, that style of rugby as we know that that South Africa's like to play. It's it's been ingrained in that Super Rugby comp for more than 25 years, and we've always had a taste of it um, regularly in the in the first half of the year. And now we don't. So I think New Zealand going up to South Africa first and having to 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 do that, having basically played all their rugby against Australian teams this year, and obviously Ireland, who were a All Hemisphere side, but you wouldn't say traditionally a a set-piece heavy dominated team that some of the other you know teams like French and, and Coa are playing like um yeah it'd be fascinating it's it's definitely an argument not one that we sort of thought too much about on this side of the ditch but yeah um looking forward I don't think there's any chance of South Africa coming back there long gone which is a shame but uh yeah definitely merit to that
2: okay well Tom uh, it's been great catching up uh, from things on your side of the Tasman um uh, I think we're worse off at this point, by the sounds of it. But uh, we're not used to it, and maybe it's something new we have to get used to. Hey, mate, thanks very much for your time this morning. Thanks for getting up so early, and uh, we'll catch up shortly. Thank you.
5: No worries. Thanks, Ian. No worries.
2: Cheers, uh, Tom Decent there, of course. Uh, he's the uh, rugby writer and does cricket as well for the Sydney Morning Herald, um, New Zealand. Uh, I'd say, sorry, Sydney's number one paper, of course, in in that respect. So, uh, his views are very valuable to us. We shall take. Uh, a short break and when we come back it's uh, time to read out some of your texts right time to rush through a few of your texts and there's plenty of them and a lot of them uh, lovely complimentary ones too on this our first anniversary Uh, loving the show lads Uh, Strawbridge, McLeod and Plumtree out time to look outward maybe David Pocock for the breakdown of course David Pocock's currently a senator in the uh, Australian government uh, the NRL Patent or Wolf Innovate because the pod system is not working don't replace like for like Jared has come in and said uh, wow well, that first year went fast happy anniversary SCNZ great uh, show great team uh, thanks Jared appreciate your support uh, hey mate I think we can turn it around fast just need the right coach I think the only guy for the job is Scott Robertson need a clean out the All Blacks remind me of the Silver Ferns a few years ago. We were at rock bottom, then N- Nolene Taurua came in, won the World Cup the next year. I think uh, the All Blacks are the same. We got the cattle, says Anthony from Rotorua. Cheers, uh, Anthony. Uh, Reese from Dunedin, congrats to you and the crew for making it to one year on the radio. It's outstanding to have sport back on the airwaves, so thank you on the ABs. Clearly, there's an issue with the culture, because why else would two players whom they will not, who will name, remain nameless... But let's say they debuted in their first test, be playing the pokies at the Dunedin Casino after midnight on the night before the Dunedin Test. Would that happen under Henry or Hansen or Reid or McCaw? Unlikely, there's no respect for the jersey nor the environment, and I think we're a long way from getting back on track. Well, that's an interesting one. Reese, we'll store that one away. Uh, you give Razor to the World Cup and review... After that, you give it to to him now with no expectations in South Africa at all. This will take time to turn around. And that is uh, from Richie. Plenty more to read out uh, in the next hour or so as well. Keep him coming in. There's a lot of passion around the place at the moment. It's 9.54 here on SENZ. Well, the one from yesterday, Utah did beat Denver and we're still alive in the tennis, so that one's uh, still going along nicely. Today's uh, a multi with a bit of difference. Going to go to the World Athletics Champs, actually, and go for Noah Lyles to win the 200 metres for men at $1.67. This is just after midday. A little later in the day, Sharika Jackson to win the 200 metres for women at $1.25. And then the the home run derby at uh, All-Star Week for the MLB. Home run derby, Kyle Schwarber to win. He's a slugger from the Phillies and outfielder there at four bucks so they'll multi-up together at $8.35. No rugby in there no cricket in there, no soccer no basketball Uh, so a couple of athletics and uh, one home run derby just for a point of difference at $8.35 we shall be back very shortly and we're talking long drive the big hitters after the break three here on SENZ, and golfers, you know the feeling, don't you? You tee it up, get the driver out, and absolutely nail it. It just comes off the club face. It goes straight down the middle, and it keeps on going, and you think, yeah, I got that, when you're playing partner say, boy, you nailed that one. Uh, it is a sweet, sweet feeling. You can take a bucket of balls down the driving range, practice your swing. It's something golfers do to get better. Others have made a sport out of hitting it big and we're talking long drive golf now and Kiwis are getting behind it including our next guest, he's the current Waikato and South Island champion, the 2020 national champion and his heart is set on a return to the world championships later this year Greg Mooney, welcome to the show they used to say drive for show, putt for dough but you can drive for dough these days
10: You sure can Yeah,
4: Yeah, You sure can um, Welcome
2: mate, amazing How'd you get into it mate?
4: Um,
10: oh, first of all, I was to say congrats on your, uh, on your first birthday, guys. It's um, awesome to uh, have uh, something like this and uh, get people talking.
2: Thank you.
10: Yeah, um, I got into it. Um, I randomly actually uh, got invited to a uh, just a, a local Ambrose Scramble day and uh, managed to hit the longest drive. And um, someone uh, out of nowhere um, tagged me in a Facebook post saying, uh, hey, you can hit the ball a long way. You should turn up to the uh, North Island Long Drive champs. Um, four weeks later, turned up and... Um, managed to place okay and kind of got egged on to, uh, to have a look at, yeah, I couldn't drive and couldn't putt, I couldn't chip and couldn't putt properly. So, uh, I thought this was a good avenue to, uh, to kind of, I know, have a bit more fun with golf. So, um, yeah, got into it, did some training, bought a couple of semi-specialised, uh, drivers and, um, yeah, away we went.
2: Okay, so, um. What's your handicap? Normal handicap before you got into the long drive side of things, and how? I mean, how often do you play around a golf as a, as opposed to specialize on just hitting it a long way?
10: Um, when I first got into it, I was playing up about a twelve or a thirteen. Um, mainly because uh, I said hit the ball a long way, but when you missed the grid or you so you missed the fairway, um, cost you a few penalty shots. So my handicap wasn't that great. Um, with no uh, with no long drive events in the last kind of six months really to train for, I um, did play a bit more golf and got myself into a single figure finally, and uh, just playing off a of a nine, um, and uh, yeah, so I suppose um, yeah, it's uh, golf itself. Where once I got into long drive, took a bit of a backseat and um, and just really concentrated on getting some speed and some um and some strength into the game for long drive.
2: OK, so let's let's talk a little bit about the technology. And, you know, uh, when I found that you were coming on the show, I, I, I Googled quite a lot of information about how it, the distances have changed over the years. And like, norm, you know, normal golf as such, um, equipment changes. Tell us a wee bit about, um, you know, the length of the club, etc., the type of shaft, etc., you're allowed to use.
10: OK, um, everything has to be PGA, USGA conforming. So that means it's got to go through and be standard and tested um, and uh, has to be legally used on, uh, can be used in the PGA tournament. Um, a few companies go out and put a five degree heads on the market as um, the lower the head, oh, sorry, the, the lower the head um, degrees uh, creates a little less spin and, uh, and spin in this game can be your enemy or your friend. Um, And so you wanted to keep the spin down, and having a lower lofted driver um, at 5 or 4 degrees um, assists you with that. And uh, the shaft's typically anywhere between 47 and 48 inches, um, which is the maximum you're allowed. Um, I believe the PGA have a local rule for some of the pro tournaments at maximum 46, but 48 is still the legal limit um, through most amateur tournaments and quite a few of the PGA tournaments. So um, some people uh, the new thinking is uh regular or stiff shafts uh and creating that lag and getting the club to whip round and really kind of uh, lash out of the ball at that last second and um some some boys are still using and some girls are still using uh slightly stiffer shafts, maybe a two or a three extra stiff um yeah, and that's uh they they're is using timing and technique, so uh, everyone has a different swing. Um, and different thought pattern behind it, but you can use anywhere between, like say, a regular stiff to a two or three extra stiff.
2: Okay, so when it comes to uh, championship time, you want to be uh, obviously at the peak of, your peak of your powers and hitting it exactly right. Um, how uh, Do you have a coach as such, and, and what kind of technology do you have uh, to look at the way you're swinging the club yourself?
11: Um, no,
10: I don't have a coach as such. Um, a lot of initially stuff was uh, YouTube training, um, watching some of the big boys in the States and uh, around Europe and uh, kind of mimicking some of the things they do in the swing. Um, always good to go to the range with other fellow golfers or long drivers and um, you're always trying to help each other out and try and find something, you know, not something wrong, but just help um, your, your mate or your partner uh, with some improvements that you can see in the swing. Um, I've recently been to Denver to compete in a competition and previous to that I went and actually spent a weekend in a camp with uh, Kyle Berkshire's coach, who is the current world number one. Mm. And um and so picked up some tips and tricks and uh um there's it's a pretty family orientated sport and if you ever want to know anything there's plenty of people out there you can reach out and send a video to uh to a few people and the um coaches or other athletes around the world who are more than happy to um analyse it and send you back their uh their information. Um and in the data kind of collecting side, um I've actually gone and got myself uh, a Flight Scope Mevo, um it's a handy little box you know yeah entry-level box it gives you me enough data with ball speed um swing direction um club head speed angle of attack uh spin rates launch angles and all these things are uh, paramount so kind of getting the science down to trying to hitting that perfect ball
2: okay so tell us uh, how a typical world championship is uh unfolds how, how does it work
10: um, initially, you've got to do a uh, qualification process, um, and that's, there's a few spots from around the world that get given out, or there's uh, um, qualification tournaments within the States. Um, you turn up, you obviously you have a crack. Um, normally, you hit six balls in two and a half minutes, and your longest ball is the counter for that set. Uh, depending on the format of how you do it, the World Championships format will be run 128 um, and you put into groups of 16. Uh, you hit, uh, randomly get ball World Ranking selection, put you into your group of 16, and you'd go through and hit five sets. But in every different set, there's four, four, four other uh, competitors on the team, or three other competitors, so there's four total. And the longest person in that set is 200 points, the second person's 100, hundred, fifty, twenty five. 25, and if you don't make the grid or you go out of bounds, because um, you still would to hit in the grid, um, you get zero points. And after the five rounds, you've ended up hitting against all the other 15 competitors, and um, the top eight point collectors go through to the next round. And uh, obviously you join up with another group of eight that have made it through from their group of 16 and you slowly narrow the field down from your 128 to your 64 to your 32 to 16 until they have a playoff in the eighth, where you um, go head-to-head in uh, one versus eight and two versus seven and so on.
2: So the other thing, uh, Greg, about this is uh, a fair degree of accuracy involved here. Tell us a, a wee bit about a grid and uh, the extent of that.
10: Um, the grid typically is anywhere between uh, thirty-five to forty yards as a small grid, um, anywhere up to about seventy-five yards wide. Um, as you can imagine, to get a uh, to get a nice, reasonably flat piece of land um, with someone who will allow you to to hit some golf balls um, and that kind of 400 to 450 yards long by um, 35 to 40 yards wide. It's hard to get. So you sometimes speakers can't be choosers. Um, obviously, the states have a lot more selection and they've got a lot of big, giant sports fields they've played on. Um, there's a grid in Canada that just had a, a championship qualifier last weekend. It was uh, only 33 meter, 33 metres wide. Um, so it's quite hard to hit. But uh, the World mm. Championships will be held in Mesquite, Nevada. It's been our our north of Las Vegas. And the grid's... Um, Quite high up, it's I think about fifteen hundred feet, so a bit of altitude affects the ball, and it's uh, sixty five yards wide. So it's, it's and, and it's all flat. It's it's uh, soccer fields. So kind of so you get some good roll, and it's quite
2: obviously
10: yeah yeah quite forgiving. But um but the wind does yeah. whip in, and uh, there's plenty of guys that go ob, and uh, you get that adrenaline rushing, and you're trying to uh, hit a sixty five yard grid. It feels like it's about twenty meters wide, and uh, it gets gets a bit nerve wracking.
2: I was going to say. Uh, what about? I mean, if you go and watch any uh, game of golf, you'll play with three other guys. Everyone's got a different regime about teeing it up and hitting it. You know, whether you you know you line yep. it up or whether you take a deep breath or whatever. What do you do uh, pre-event and uh, pre-shot? I mean, you know, how do you get yourself in the mood to pound it?
10: Um, yeah, a lot of normally a lot of golf balls on the range. Um, you're really going to get that. Uh, Get that sweat on on the range, and you and you're going at 95 to 100 percent. And then when you get on that grid, um, you're going 110 percent of the ball. Um, obviously, ideally, you want to get one or two in play as early as possible out of your six balls, and you want to let loose at the next four. Um, but everyone has a different routine. You have some people will literally just step up and let rip. Other people will stand behind it, like you would normally do on a golf course, and kind of visualize the spot you want to try and aim at, um, get there, and have your pre routine, whether it's a so, you know big breath in, breath, big breath out. There's a couple of guys taking a uh, bit of a shuffle step um, to start their swing as their kind of their trigger move, if that's what you want to call it. But yeah, everyone has a different routine, um, and it's just whatever works for you. And I personally, I, I try and have an idea, get the ball T height where I want it, go and stand behind the ball, kind of visualize that spot, um, get into, this, get into the, uh, the position that I'm comfortable hitting in, and um, try and
11: clear your head as it rips.
2: Okay, so Kyle Buscher, as you mentioned, is uh, the current world champion. In fact, he's won the last two yep. uh, distances: mm-hmm. four hundred and six yards, four hundred and twenty-two yards. So you're really to win this thing, uh, or look like winning it. You're looking at post four hundred yards. Um, what what yep. is your range at this point? What are you, what are you nailing it at? Um, at the grid, at the
10: grid where the world champs are, um, I've hit four hundred twenty-four yards. In um, an event wow. in Denver, which uh, yeah, an event in Denver, I uh, my, my maximum I, I got to was four hundred five yards for that comp for that weekend, but um, it's it's an unbelievable conditional sport, and people um sometimes don't quite understand uh, how much weather can really affect a golf ball. Um, you know, I, I was hitting first thing in the morning in Denver when it was twenty five degrees and zero wind, and guys were hitting that four hundred to four twenty mark, um. If, you know, if it was a good hitter involved, and then come the afternoon, it got to 37 degrees, it was about 15 or 20% humidity. We're at 1,500 metres elevation, so just under a mile high, and um, the longest ball ever recorded in this event was a hit at 495 yards, and I was 10 metres away from the guy, and it was unbelievable to watch. So um, cool. the altitude and, and conditions can make a huge effect.
2: Mate, you're you're a firefighter by trade, so how, how much time do you get yep. to to go and practice and, um, and when it, when, the heat, when the heat goes on?
10: When the heat goes on, um, we, we're, we're pretty lucky and we, uh, we, most stations around Auckland and around New Zealand have a gym um, built into them, and uh, we we get we get access to that for our, for an hour or a half or forty five minutes a day. um so that helps with a gym routine, um, being shift work. Um, it's quite nice to turn up to a driving range or a golf course and there's not many people around on a uh, Monday morning or a Tuesday afternoon or something like that. So um, I get to hit a few times in the afternoon. And in between uh, being a father and picking up the kids from the school run and um, getting to work, I I can get out and hit um, maybe twice a week on the the range. Maybe play golf once every two weeks. um, And obviously getting to the gym is four, five, six times a week.
2: For the ones that uh, are playing full time or doing it full time on the competition circuit, and there are a number of events in America in particular. I mean, is yep. it a full time occupation? How lucrative is it to win?
10: Um, for, for 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 a little Kiwi or a or an Australian or something like that, um, it's an expensive hobby. Um, is the best way to put it.
4: There's,
10: there's a handful of guys that are making a living out of it, and they're not making a living out of um, competing in events. That's their um, that's their kind of that's their base salary, if you want to call it, for some of those guys. Your Kyle Berkshires, your Martin Bogmoyers. Um, A lot of it comes from uh, doing charity work. Um, go and, you know, go and, go and stand on the tee block and, uh, and, and 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 hit some balls in the Ambrose tournament or something like that. You've always got that one person, maybe not, lacking on the day. So you'd buy the pros' drives, um, do some fundraising, some um, demonstration days and stuff like that as well, and they get paid for that. and uh, a made of vows and... Um, and America done a, every year goes and hits some preseason with the Dallas Cowboys. And they pay them, you know, a couple of thousand dollars to show the boys a few tricks and things like that. It's a bit of a trick show as well. They pull out a mini driver to try and hit 300-odd yards with a putter and, um, and do a bit of a training clinic. So uh, a lot of guys, that's how, that's how they make their money. If so they're going to be heavily involved in long drive rather than uh, trying to win money on the tee. Because uh, um, as you can see, Kyle's won the last couple. Um, but it, it does get mm. shared around quite a lot and the prize money's, you know, you're only looking at probably ten or twelve grand US for an event like that. Um, and compared to millions what they get on the PGA, so um yeah, it's it's not a great living. It it's an expensive hobby, but some guys are making a bit of a crust out of it. but they're putting a lot of work and a lot of effort in it's not just not just in competition.
2: I was going to say I've seen it on television. It's uh, it's a, a pretty well promoted thing. I, I would have thought they might, with the sponsors etc., have been a little bit more involved and in, um, a little bit more financial in that respect. But in your situation, mate, you've you've had to pay your own way to get to the qualifiers, and uh, now you've uh, got a second bite at the cherry. Uh, tell us a wee bit more yeah. about that, and um, what you're doing with your fundraising efforts. Oh um, yeah, well, kind
10: of. Um, Zane Inglis uh, runs a uh, golf friends New Zealand and Australia page, and uh, he's been absolutely inspirational and a, and kind of a, and really a pivot in this. Um, he's obviously loves loves golf and, lo- and and loves what i was doing with long drive. Um, he suggested we um, kind of have a, have an attempt at getting a Kiwi representation there because um, we always have a Kiwi flag at any World Champs, um, and he suggested we put a raffle together. So I've gone around um, and really and really honed in on any kind of support I've, uh, I've had in the past and. Gone back to from um, from different golf golfing people and different backgrounds. Um, we've got Golf Harbour, Jack's Point, um, Manada Lodge is down, down in Queenstown. They've given us a couple of nights of accommodation to go along with you know around for four at Jack's Point and uh, and Cromwell Golf Course, Paraparaumu, volley golf balls, the Kiwi Golf Club come on board and give us some prizes. Um, Renaissance uh, Brewing, um, which they do Long Drive Lager and tree Putt Lager, which is just quite appropriate. Um, my home club of Huapai up in Riverhead. Um, all these people have chipped in some awesome prizes, um, from nights, nights accommodation, uh, Callaway driver, boxes of golf balls, hats and t-shirts, um, a couple of um, brewery products, um, and obviously rounds of golf for carts. So, um, we've chucked that all in a raffle. Um, it's up on my uh, on my long drive page, and um, yeah, we're trying to sell tickets. We're going to cap it at 325 dollars a ticket for a chance to win them. some really cool prizes, and obviously. Um, anything that goes towards it is trying to kind of cover entry fees, which aren't cheap, um, over just over 2000 US, and, uh, and flights to the States. Um, yeah, to see if we can have a crack at, uh, at representing New Zealand at the World Champs.
2: Greg, give us the exact uh, website address, mate, so we can get people um, perhaps supporting it.
10: Uh, it's Greg Mooney Long Drive uh, via Facebook, um, and that's Greg, G-R-I-E-G, um, Mooney Long Drive. And so if you go through there, you'll... Um, yeah, you'll
2: see everything yeah. there. Um, fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating, mate. Sorry. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you uh, for being um, no. uh, so informative about the whole thing. I'm, I'm much better educated myself, although I have watched it uh, on TV in America and I think it's an absolute... Fascinating thing, particularly the Ackery side of uh, on top of the length. Hey, Greg Mooney, uh, all the best, all the best. Uh, uh, Let's get people involved in that in that raffle. Uh, Magnificent prize list, just by the by, that you've put together. Uh, And uh, all all the best, and all the best, all the best, mate. And your endeavours to try and get to those world champs. And uh, if you make it, uh, it. all the very best. We'll be watching. Thank you.
10: Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll get some events here in the future with uh, PLDA running some events and. we can get some more people involved and everyone else can have a crack and let's try and get some more kiwis next year.
2: Love it. Absolutely love it, Greg. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Good luck. And it's uh, Greg Mooney, folks. Um, he is uh, on the way, hopefully, to the World Champs and the long drive competition again. He's been there in the past and uh, his resume already is so impressive. Longest ball, 424 yards. Talk, Big Opinions, the panel. Patrick McKendry joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Patrick and uh, John Day on this, our first birthday celebration, I guess you could say, and John Day was here from uh, day one. Uh, It's also fair to say. Uh, So good morning to you, uh, JD, and uh, it's a time where the radio is pretty hot on the subject of... The All Blacks, Uh, what have you made of it so far and what do you think you're about to make of it when NZR make their decisions?
9: Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Pat. Yeah, it was always a busy day on the text machine, wasn't it, Smithy, when the uh, All Blacks lost and we've had to deal with that quite a lot over the one year that we've been on air. In fact, we've had to deal with it uh, five times now in a year, which is never good for an All Blacks coach. And yeah, I think New Zealand rugby need to make a call right now and it's a simple one, really. What gives us the best chance to win the Rugby World Cup? And I think that's got to be a new coaching staff, doesn't it, Smithy?
2: Well, it does, uh, JD. And I, I know you're a Sam Kane fan and a Chiefs, uh, a bit of a sympathiser for the Chiefs. So you might be doing it a bit tougher in that respect then.
9: Oh, no sympathy for the Chiefs come Crusaders all day. Um, I do have some for Sam Kane a little bit and the players. Uh, Because I think that's not the argument here. Uh, It looks like we've got as good a players as anyone else in the world, and no one from outside of the current squad really you'd pull in to make a whole heap of difference. So there you've got to look at who's going to actually make a difference. And I think it's definitely uh, some of this coaching staff, the attack, has been woeful for quite a few years. I thought, well, we put that bomb up early on in that test against Ireland. It was like, that's a bad sign. When we're on their 22 and one of the first first things we do is put up a bomb yeah the, the line out drive uh defense pretty terrible and conceding the first try three times in a row in a series just shows no improvement in quite a lot of areas and i think drastic change is needed
2: okay pat mckendrick good morning to you patrick uh, I, I just wonder it's needed but will it happen i think that's the the, the crux of the issue what do you think might happen
12: G'day, Smitty. G'day, John. Uh, Yeah, Look, I'm I'm struggling to to disagree with anything John has just said, to be honest. Um, I would say, though, that there's been a little bit of commentary about the All Blacks' performances, or performance in particular at Wellington, being a bit of a surprise. I don't think it was much of a surprise. Uh, I think it's a continuation of a trend. Um, They have uh, performed poorly, obviously, over the last fortnight, um, but that's a continuation of what happened last year, really. Um, as, as John said, they, they lack ideas on attack, and that's uh, a coaching thing. Um, in contrast, Ireland were, were far better in that area. Uh, and, and again, I mean, it's across the board. Defence as well, missing, missing one-on-one tackles early in tests, giving away early leads, uh, not being able to uh, stop a driving mall. They, they couldn't twice against Ireland and Wellington, um it's yeah well i mean change change is coming it has to be I, I believe it's inevitable the only question is when it happens and how deep those changes will be
2: so uh you guys both uh, know about press conference etc what did you make of uh, the supposed cancelled press conference uh, patrick on a, a sunday morning that's been a tradition isn't it over yeah. the years a sunday morning gig with with the head coach
12: so it was curi- very curious, I mean, that, to say the least. Um, I'm not sure if uh, Foster and Co., if, if the coaches were across it. I, I, it may have been a decision made by someone else in the management team, um, but regardless, it was a bad look. Um, it reflected poorly on the All Blacks, and it reflected in particular poorly on Ian Foster, who didn't want to answer questions about his coaching future on Saturday night in Wellington. He he declined four times to to answer the question. Um, And then it looks like he's sort of running away from it on on the Sunday morning, getting on a bus, you know, on on the TV cameras, getting on a bus without saying anything. It's a poor look, and he probably deserves better than that. Uh, However, he is the head coach, and the responsibility rests with him. He should have been across it, and he should have said, look, I need to put this to bed, I need to, to give a holding statement or whatever he was going to do, and sort it of out there and then. But instead, it's just it's just lingering, and uh, I don't think that's good for anyone.
2: No, I I, I tend to agree. Uh, but I, I just wonder, J.D., whether he was muzzled.
9: Yeah, which would be weird, because, yeah, what myself and Pat have done those Sunday media sessions with the coaches, and they've always fronted up, and I was sure Ian Foster would want to, especially after his performance the night before, not wanting to talk about his future, which I guess is fair enough on the night. You want to give credit to the opposition, who deserve all that credit. But then I thought it would have been an ideal opportunity the next morning at 11.30 on a Sunday to front the media and be honest about where the All Blacks are at. And that's what we heard from Sam Cain after the game apologising, uh, Ardie Savia even apologising to the fans after the game, Mark Robinson saying it's not acceptable, the results, but from our head coach, he hasn't said anything, uh, in that regard, he's not, not being honest and real with the public and with the fans, which I thought he would want to be given with where his job's at at the moment
2: OK uh, John Day, Patrick McKendry with us at the moment, we'll take a short break uh, for some news with uh, Araha when we come back, we'll continue on the rugby theme, I think John Day, Patrick McKendree uh, with us this morning, uh, Patrick it seems uh, this morning the news has come through that Andrew Porter, loose head prop for uh, Ireland has now been cited for his high tackle on Brodie Ritalik. What a difference one week means to, uh, in rugby in terms of rulings these days. Quite odd.
12: It's, it's quite farcical, isn't it? I think anyone who watched that incident, uh, you know, would, would have realised that it was far more serious than what the match officials stated at the time. And as you say, Angus Tavell, who by the looks of things had no idea about any of the incident that he was in in terms of getting wrong-footed and run into by Gary Ringrose. Andrew Porter, uh, by comparison, seemed to have a lot more time to make a decision and to take an action in terms of going lower to tackle Brody Retallick, and yet he just gets a yellow card. I mean, I think most people who watched it would realise that, that the whole thing has, has become farcical. Um, and, you know, a red card there uh, for Ireland uh, with... Uh, was it thirty minutes of the of the game remaining? Uh, I, I don't think they would have got that uh, that late uh, line out drive try, which really which really clinched the victory for them. So I mean, it could have been very different.
2: It could have been very different. We might have been having a, a whole new discussion with New Zealand of winning the series, etc. Uh, JD, um, I just wonder what you made of the whole thing, uh, the consistency around the whole thing, and when we when we blame or we'll look to blame Wayne Barnes and the officials, are we doing it because? Of what happened the week before, as opposed to what is the right decision?
9: Yeah, I think ultimately, heat clashes, we don't want to see red cards as fans of rugby. These are unfortunate situations, like no malice, so I don't think it should ever be a red card. So I think a yellow card is the right decision. But given what happened to Angus Tarvow, then Porter had to be a red card for consistency. There was both tackle height from the props, neither prop had got low, so we're standing upright, head on head clash. And then that's a red card under the laws that were shown the week before. But, but no, inconsistency is pretty classic uh, with the laws of rugby. And what do they call it? An absorbing tackle smoothie. That's a new one for you?
2: i never heard of it before. And, and when he said it, I, I had to rethink what that exactly meant. In other words, uh, was, he, was he joined? Uh, the way I think of absorbing is that he ha- he's saying that Porter actually was taking the brunt of the pressure. Well, if you ask Brody Retallick about that, I probably think he would disagree.
9: Exactly, ask Brody's cheekbone uh, and you'll be able to over the next six to eight weeks because he's out of action and it's clear who absorbed or what absorbed that tackle.
2: Mm, it is actually. Right, uh, we'll just uh, change tack if we can. Uh, surprise announcement to me overnight too, uh, Pat McKendry, that Ben Stokes, uh, of course, hero of the 2019 World Cup for England, has decided now with the burden of test captaincy and uh, focus on T20 cricket that the 50-over game for him is no more. I find that a little bit interesting and surprising considering the role that England are on.
12: Yeah, look, I guess I'll bow down to your greater cricket knowledge, Smithy, uh, every time. Um, but I, I, I guess, is this, is this the way that the sport is sort of going? Um, we've seen New Zealand's best player, Kane Williamson, sort of struggle to maintain you know, uh, appearances in every match New Zealand plays. I, I, I think possibly this is just the way they're the game is going now. Um, they play so much cricket, uh, so much high-intensity stuff. But I guess the thing that um, I like about Ben Stokes, and obviously I'm, a, I'm quite a Ben Stokes fan, really, for the way he conducts himself, You know, apart from his talent um, and, and ability. Obviously yeah, he had the good fortune to spend his early years in Christchurch too. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, the thing I like about it is that he, he didn't play in the IPL last season. Um, and he probably won't this season. I think where I find difficulty or struggle understanding these decisions is where players um, they can't play for their country and yet uh, due to injury or, or overplaying, fatigue, etc., and yet they can play in the in the IPL where they make uh, far more money. So, um, yeah, you know, I say you know, good on Ben Stokes. I, I ho- you know, I hope he stays in the game for far longer as a result because he's, a, he's an absolute quality player. Uh, despite being the
2: England captain, Patrick, some might argue that um, having the good fortune to uh, live in Christchurch at an early age uh, was uh, was also uh, perhaps a good fortune to leave Christchurch at a, an early age. Um, some might argue, some might argue that I'm not. I, for one, am certainly not going to say that by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but John, sometimes when you look at a player. Yeah, when a when a player uh, looks to uh, perhaps just move on a wee bit in the game, etc., in terms of years, it these days with the money to be made in T Twenty cricket, it's almost uh, a business decision as well as anything else.
9: Yeah, you're right, Smithy, and like England's schedule is ridiculous, isn't it? Like when you look at the amount of, of cause uh, like the amount of Test centuries Joe Root scored lately, it's a lot of it's down to because they play so much Test cricket. So he's the Test captain; he's got to play that. So that's your legacy. And then you look at, right, where can I kind of cut my shoes down a little bit? And you've got money is probably the second most important thing after your own legacy because he's reached the pinnacle of cricket, which is winning an ODI World Cup. So he's ticked that box. Uh, Doesn't feel the need to go and try and defend it, which is interesting in itself. So legacy with the test, money with the T20. Uh, He's ticking the boxes, Smithy.
2: JD, I can't let you go without, uh, you've you've said we've got to have change. Uh, He's got to go. Ozzy's got to go. Uh, But you've got to come up with an an option, mate. We can't let you go without a viable coaching structure option. So have you got one for us there?
9: Yeah. Oh, there's no point in saying someone's got to go unless there's better replacements. And I think there are. And I think it is Scott Robertson. Um, And he'll bring Jason Ryan with him. They seem to be a pretty good tag team. And they also, I think, would go well with Leon McDonald. Uh, I'm not sure whether he'd leave head coach of the Blues to become an All Blacks assistant, but... I think those three together with Joe Schmidt as well and Mike Cron, I think that's a pretty good coaching team.
2: I don't think you have to leave the the Blues. Um, You know, because Super Rugby has its own window. International Rugby comes after that. Sure, there might be All Black Camps, etc. you have to get involved in, but... I think it's beneficial to continue coaching uh, and learning the process and finding things out and, and playing players in positions that you might want to use them in if you're an All Black as well. I think there's a lot of benefit to coaches, head coaches, continuing to coach outside the, the All Black scenario. Patrick, what, what would your combo be if you had to change it tomorrow? Yeah.
12: Uh, look, I, I, I think get Scott Robertson in there as um, soon as possible. I think it's inevitable that it's going to happen at some point, so why not do it now? uh Jason Ryan is nailed on as well as a, as a Ford coach and you know I think it's significant that the Crusaders haven't uh conceded a, a line-out drive try I can't remember them conceding one in the last 6 years they may have, they may have done one or two at, at the most uh and that, and that contrasts usually with the All Blacks um at the moment uh but I, I think you know th- th- there may be questions about Razor's ability to to go straight into a head coach uh, of the All Blacks type role Maybe um, Joe Schmidt, and I think he should stay. Uh, I, I think perhaps he could stay to uh, allow uh, Robertson to bed in, um, and certainly until the World Cup, during the World Cup, and then and then Razor takes over as head coach afterwards. Um, you know, I think ideally they'd have a, a young um, sort of enthusiastic uh, backs coach in the form of Leon McDonald as well, but. Um, I'm not sure if that could happen. Um, maybe Wayne Smith could, could do another emergency patch-up job like he's doing at the, at the Black Ferns.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, my, my personal opinion, fellas, is Joe Smith has to be there. I mean, he's he hardly been there anyway. He's only been there for three days when they all had COVID, and we won that test, and now he's officially, I think, on board now that Ireland have gone home. So Joe Smith was front and centre, and whatever happens, Joe Smith is right there. Uh, in my opinion, anyway, thank you very much, uh, John Day and Patrick McKendry on helping us celebrate our first birthday with uh, a prestigious panel performance. We'll be back with another one tomorrow morning at the same time. Number uh, of texts that have uh, come in this morning and they continue to come on. For those who think there's not enough time for Razor to change things before the World Cup, remember what Nolene did with netball in a very short time. Thanks for the last year of radio. It's been brilliant. Listen to sport again. Uh, That from uh, Tony. Um, You give Razor to the World Cup and review after that. You give it to him now with no expectations in South Africa at all. This will take time to turn around. That's Richie. That's quite a common sentiment, actually, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, uh, Smithy, it looks. uh, seems like everybody quite close to the situation trying to get the remedy for what's going on. But the reality is we need to take the pressure off the situation. Just look at the French and the Australians. They said they would rebuild over two years and get younger players in, and so their public has accepted that. Now, the All Blacks were broken after 2019. We haven't taken that approach, and that's why there's so much pressure on us now. So take the learning, inform the public of the rebuild plan, have the clean out and get on with it. Pressure relieved. Uh, Here's an interesting theory as well. Obvious answer to the All Black problems. They have had four losses in the last 12 months, and SENZ has been going for 12 months. Interesting theory, that one. Uh, Glenn, uh, hi, Smithy. The All Blacks uh, coach must have the best interests of the team at heart. If that is the case, Fozzie should tender his resignation. I believe if you were in that situation, that is what you would do. I certainly would. That's Glenn from Hobsonville. Um, Smithy, to make the red-yellow card issue over the last two weeks even more confusing in the Wales-South Africa game, There was a similar incident at the 35-minute mark where head-on contact was made in a tackle, and it was more a straight-arm penalty, so it makes it even more confusing and consistent. I think the answer there is uh, that referees know what the red card is. I mean, it's the ultimate punishment in the game. And uh, they also, you see, they cop it from uh, other aspects, saying, you've ruined the game, you've reduced the game down to 14 men on one side, it can't be a fair contest anymore. You've absolutely ruined it. It was a knee-jerk reaction. Think about it. So they've got that in the back of their minds as well. they got pressure from those guys that employ them, mark them, grade them, um, You know, tell them off when they're doing things wrong, suspend them, drop them down to another level. There's all sorts of things on referees as well. But at the end of the day, it's a paid position, and that's what they want to do, and uh, with that comes the expectation of doing a very good and consistent job. Consistent job, that's the key. It is 10.50 here on SENZ.
1: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything Thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
2: Well... (laughs) Louis Herman what uh, rejoins us. I'm not sure if he's been to the boozy yet, but he's certainly be on their way there, I'm <laughs> sure, with the boss shouting today. Um, Louis, I, I know Monday, Tuesday's uh, review times and looking forward to times in, in terms of racing in New Zealand, but one thing that did uh, strike me, and I, I thought I'd ask you about it, Paul O'Sullivan coming home after 18 seasons in Hong Kong not to train uh, to basically retire and help out uh, the Wexford team as such. But uh, what a great career over there, Paul O'Sullivan. He's a legend, Smithy.
1: He's a he's a legend. Do we do you think we grasp how much of a legend Paulo Sullivan is? I mean, training no. with his dad. We don't know. We don't. We don't. He trained with his dad Dave, obviously. Um, Horlicks, in the won a Japan Cup. Can you imagine a New Zealander training a winning a Japan Cup? Lance obviously rode Surfers Paradise in the the Cox Plate, uh, Waverley Star three years earlier, agonising close, and in the the race of the century, um, Bone Crusher getting up that day in '86, but. He's a legend. Then he went to Hong Kong in aero velocity and just has trained winners, champions, taken them around the world, done it in a completely different environment with completely different practices, had to learn what to feed them, had to learn how to train them, had three lean years in the middle, then kicked again and has had this career which is, when you look at it on paper, quite simply remarkable, Smithy.
2: It is, absolutely, actually. it would be a great interview too when he gets back and I'm sure you guys will grab him at some point, but we uh, yeah, we, we coming actually home
1: at, we, we actually had him on the mail run um, when it was announced a couple you can just if you go to the podcast and just search oh. Polo Sullivan you can any kind of detailed his career and why he was wrapping it up and it was it was one of my favorite interviews mate I was quite honored to be honest he, he's just a champion cool
2: it's outstanding In fact, the family what have they contributed to New Zealand racing over the years goodness me yeah uh, all the way down the line hey look uh, speaking of uh, brothers and uh, siblings etc very flash shot off to the winter cup full brother to very elegant um, and uh, I would say on the run the other day, if it can find an outside passage, it would be a, a real possibility. Yeah, absolutely. I've um, they, got very flash flying, and, and what a horse he's just turned out to be over time and time. Smithy though,
1: today they're not racing racing, but they're trialling. How's this for a star trial at 11.30 today? Uh, over 950 metres, the mighty Spa on the Bubbles, Rip Van Gogh, on Trivia, Invincible, Altialad and Alchemia. The trial after mm-hmm. that has Irish Red Perfect Scenarios, Illuminous, Sophisticado, uh, Winning for All in it. And the trial before that, Imperatries, Campionessa, Synchronised, Quattro, Quinto Marcus Aurelius. So the Tiakel big guns as well as some of the other nice horses, including Alchemia, are out and mm-hmm. back at the races today.
2: Spring, spring must be around the corner. The Tangerine Army are on the move. Thanks very much, uh, Louis Herman Watt. Paul Mawati uh, at the TIB this morning again. Paul, thanks for that uh, coming in there. Interesting today, there's a bit of home run derby to bat on. There's a a little bit of uh, uh, other stuff to, to, to perhaps get our teeth into, including the World Athletics Champs.
11: Yeah, let's have a look at that home run derby to start with, Smitty. Uh, And in the outright winner market, uh, the most popular uh, player, Kyle Schwarber, paying $4 to win the home run derby uh, this afternoon uh, there in L.A. at Dodger Stadium. He's got almost twice as many bets placed on him as the next most popular player uh, in that outright winner market, and the next most popular player is Peter Alonso, the favourite, who's paying three dollars to win the Home Run Derby. He's trading almost uh, bet for bet with the third favourite, Juan Soto, who's six fifty. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is at seven fifty, uh, and then there's Julio Rodriguez at nine, and then double figures for the rest of the field. We've got round one matchups as well. Um, the one they think was going to be an upset. It's Corey Sega to beat Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Segas at 2.25 to win that first round matchup against Julio Rodriguez, who's at $1. fifty-three. That's the one upset that punters see in the first round matchups.
13: Thanks, Paul.
2: Uh, we'll keep an eye on that on Sky Sport just after midday. It's news time. here on SENZ and the World Athletic Championships are currently underway in Eugene, Oregon. Some fantastic action coming in uh, via Sky Sport, of course, Uh, and uh, other media access as well right uh, before the Commonwealth Games as well. So from New Zealand's point of view and those Commonwealth nations, a chance for their athletes to be on the world stage for the best part of a month, there's been some promising signs in the first days of the competition. There's plenty more to enjoy with the World Champs running through until the 24th. Uh, Terry Lomax, uh, one of New Zealand's probably, uh, maybe even the most experienced athletics coaches over there in Oregon, with the New Zealand team, and he joins us uh, now here on SCNZ. Uh, Terry, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. No mm. them. Right, the Champs are, are taking place uh, at Hayward Field at the University of Oregon. Uh, first time, I understand, I've been back in the, uh, the America for quite some time. Uh, how's it been uh, going over there and uh, how's it been received in America?
14: Um, well, they, they call Eugene track Town, so that gives you some idea of the level of interest at, uh, at this place. And um, Hayward Field's one of the most historic Athletic venues in the US, and it's just been renovated, and it's and it's quite outstanding. And it's the thing about it is it's it's made for athletics. That's what it's built for.
2: Okay, so if we look at the, I mean, you, you look, you put the words World Championships in front of any sport, you assume that that is uh, the ultimate. Is that the ultimate now in terms of timings for athletes these days around the world?
14: Well, it's. Ordinarily it is, but it's been a little bit out of kilter with the COVID situation, and we've actually got back-to-back world championships. Uh, these are the ones that were supposed to be held last year, but of course the Olympics were held last year, and we've got another world championships next year, but it's always one of the big dates on the calendar for, for all our athletes, because you know, as you said, it's got the word world in it, so it must make it important.
2: Okay, so Terry, um, perfect opportunity for our athletes as well, not just to get this kind of experience, but to... Uh, to get things in order for uh, Birmingham coming up uh, in a couple of weeks as well. So what have you been encouraged by by the uh, the New Zealand performances thus far?
14: athletes may not have performed as they would have hoped to, but we've certainly blooded a number of young athletes, you know, the next wave of athletes at this level of competition. So for them, it's been very valuable. And a number of those are going on to the Commonwealth Games. We've had um, the likes of Eddie Nkecha and Zoe Hobbs, who haven't been to a world champs before this in Doha, have taken that advantage into these champs and have both made breakthroughs to get into the, uh, into the semi-finals and both doing New Zealand records. And then we've got those athletes who frustratingly missed out by a place or two on the next round, but will have actually had their resolve strengthened and their belief and their ability strengthened leading into Birmingham.
2: Okay well that includes um, The young man that you've uh, Very closely associated with uh, Hamish Kerr uh, Narrowly missing out on his place in the men's high jump final uh, With a best of 225 So uh, how is he feeling About his performance uh, Going forward
14: Well he was encouraged He was a wee bit unlucky Sometimes people smack the bar And it stays on Sometimes they do feather touches and it falls off And he was in the, the latter category of that but he was encouraged by how well he, he progressed during the competition and, and we had a good chat about that. And he's, he's all set and prepared to to jump noticeably higher when he gets to Birmingham.
2: So, uh, Terry, what, what will you work on uh, between now and Birmingham with Hamish? And bearing, bearing in mind um, that competition and the, the, the number of athletes who are not Commonwealth qualified, of course, because of their country of residence, uh, what are your expectations for Hamish going forward?
14: Well, the, one of the things he's been searching for is, is that undefinable thing, which is rhythm. And that's one of the things he he feels he approached very closely at the, the qualifying here. So it'll be working on uh, entrenching that feeling of rhythm because he knows he can jump up in the air very high. He's just got to make it happen at the right time. Um, I think he's got... He's got strong expectations of uh, performance in Birmingham, and and I know that a medal is in the forefront of his thinking. And uh, when, once you're in that medal contention, it can be it can be a gold. So I wouldn't be putting my money on him for being the favourite for the gold, but he's certainly one of the athletes who will be looked at uh, when people are talking about it.
2: You mentioned uh, Zoe Hobbs and Edi Osan and Kishia before. Uh, is this probably uh, one of the best periods of sprinters we've had for a while in New Zealand?
14: Well, it certainly is in terms of results here. I mean, Zoe's not only the um, New Zealand record holder, she's the area record holder, the Oceania record holder. And when you consider that some of the sprinters that Australia has had, uh, for a New Zealander to be the Oceania record holder is, is a testament to the, the level that she's now got to. And so... And they're both young, both Eddie and, and Zoe are young athletes. And as it normally happens, you need one person to walk through the door and then the others realise that there's a door that they can walk through.
2: Terry, uh, Olivia McTaggart in the women's pole vault uh, yesterday. She uh, she failed to clear a jump at 4.30, but uh, qualified for the final with 4.50 as a PB of uh, 4.65. Um, where does Olivia sit in terms of uh, her progress, you feel?
14: Well, qualifying is tougher than the final because there's so much, so much at stake. It's almost like, you know, in any sport, they, I would say the, the is the tough one. The final, it, you know, you can enjoy it a bit more. But, um, so for her to have made the top six at World Indoors in March and then come out here and with a very limited um, build-up, be able to come and qualify for the final Um, she's one of those ones who having not really quite performed has had the signs that she's not far away from it and i think commonwealth will see will see her right up in contention
2: tom walsh uh, finishing a fourth in the men's shot put final behind three americans who clearly cannot go to birmingham so uh, that stands, uh, Tom, in pretty good uh, shape. I was well, and an uh, i would imagine—an encouraging performance too from Jack O'Gill. We're looking good in the men's shot.
14: Definitely are. Uh, um, talking to Tom earlier today, he says he knows he's he's strong. His numbers are good in terms of what he's been doing in training. He's one of those ones, A wee bit like Hamish, I suppose. Just the, not the rhythm's not quite there. The horsepower's there, but you know, the tuning is what's being looked at. And in Echo's case, he, he's broken his um, his run of ninth placings by finally making it into the top eight. So to have two Kiwis in the top eight there, and as you said, with the if you take um, non-commonwealth athletes out of that, then we've got the the, the top two performing commonwealth athletes in the men's shot.
2: Okay, and in the women's shot, uh, Maddie Wesh uh, uh, captured the attention of the nation during the Tokyo Olympics finishing uh, seventh uh, with a personal best of 19.50. So again, tra- uh, trending well.
14: Yes, well, uh, you know, a PB, in an event that is actually starting to sh- show signs of getting stronger again. So this was, a, this was probably a higher standard competition than Tokyo was in terms of performance. And for her to get another good placing it well into the top eight and to be able to produce a personal best at a, at a major championship is, is extraordinary for someone so young.
2: We've got three women competing in the hammer throw at Birmingham now. Um, this is a, it's an intriguing sport for a start, but it's not one that I don't think traditionally we've been that strong in uh, for quite some time, if at all, to be fair. So how, did, how do we all of a sudden just produce three young ladies um, of this quality?
14: Well, I think a lot of work's been put in by Athletics New Zealand into the throws, and we, it's, a, it's a, a matter of taking advantage of the potential, and the potential was identified. There's been support of the athletes and their coaches and their set-ups, and we've got three athletes being coached by three different coaches, um, which is a testament to the quality of coaching we actually have in New Zealand, and, and I think there are key factors in those athletes, performing you
2: know and having having that depth so we're talking Lauren Bruce there Julia Ratcliffe and uh, Nicole Bradley folks uh, the three young ladies involved um, in the women's hammer in, in Birmingham uh, what have we got to to look forward to now uh, Terry in terms of um, the remainder of the world champs
14: I'm here with um, I'm in charge of um, Georgia Hulls Seeing uh, jo, uh, James Mortimer is not able to be here, uh, so she's got the 200 meter first round uh, in a couple of hours' time. Um, then we've got Portia Bing in the 400 hurdles tomorrow, as well as Brad Mathis in the 800. And then we followed that up. We have uh, Tori Peters, who's got the javelin, and she'll be she'll be pushing to try and make a final uh, for the first time at world level. And then we've got um, a couple of boys running uh, Amish Carson and Geordie Beamish running in the 5,000 metre later on.
2: Geordie Beamish, uh, he's been doing well on the uh, throughout the American College. Uh, I think he went through the college system at Villanova or somewhere like that. And uh, he's uh, obviously progressed on very nicely from there.
14: Yes, well, he, he made the final at the World Indoors in the 3K. Um, and I think that was very useful for him in terms of, of seeing what happens at world level and what he has to deal with. Qualified comfortably, but then found how things step up in a final at a world level. So I think he'll bring that experience into his 5,000 metres. And I saw him at the track um, yesterday, and he was looking pretty smooth. And he certainly is a nice runner, and if, he, if he's got his timing right with his training, then there's no, nothing to make me think that he shouldn't have a successful
2: um, championships, Terry. Outside of uh, the New Zealand competitors, uh, and I thank you for updating us uh, on uh, all of their performances. As such, what has impressed you? Um, what have been the standout performances thus far in the in the uh, World Championships?
14: Well, I've been. To, I think this is my eighth World Championships I've been to, and it never ceases to amaze me the level of performance from up and coming athletes young athletes new athletes for example the the young man who he didn't make the final of the 100 but broke the world under 20 record in the 100 meters in in the heat and if you think about the likes of the usain bolt that's been around before then that's a pretty outstanding performance um we have we have the established ones like uh, Carsten Warholm warholman the 400 meters who who makes it look so easy but we know it isn't those have tried 400 meters hurdles before um Outstanding competition in the shot put last night. That was a great competition, even though it was three Americans getting the, the gongs. Um, that means 100 meters is always the outstanding event, and, and one of the key one one of the big things about that is when you're in the stadium and you know whether it's a 30,000 seat stadium or a 50,000 seat stadium, there is no noise when the athletes go into their blocks, and that's a that's an extraordinary um, thing to to witness.
2: Terry, uh, yesterday, and I watched this uh, event myself, shelley Ann Fraser-Price claimed an astonishing fifth world, 100 metres title at the age of 35. She clocked 10.6 seconds, uh, 10.67 seconds to edge out uh, her country women and Sharika Jackson and Elan Thompson. Uh, some people, some commentators saying afterwards, perhaps the, the greatest athlete in history. Uh, it's a big call when you think about some of them over the years, but she's a contender, isn't she?
14: Oh, it has to be with that many that many gongs. You have the likes of Alison Felix, who's just had her last World Championships, and she'd be one of those athletes who'd be in that conversation. Um, yeah, the, the, the amazing thing about the sport and, and, and an event like this is the level of some of these athletes, and especially someone like shelley Ann, who's, you know, at 35, normally we talk about sports people being over the hill at 35, but, and that, you know, over 30, they're getting, they're losing their speed. Well, I think she makes a bit of a lie of that sort of idea. Mm.
2: She's astonishing. In fact, Jamaica, um, in terms of their sprint team, have uh, always been quite astonishing. So, Terry, what's the program post-World Champ? Straight on to Birmingham, is is that the case?
14: Yeah, so we go from there. first team goes from here to our pre-camp in Cardiff, following us staying at the famous Angel Hotel. Those rugby aficionados oh. who know what that means. Um, and then, then from there we go into um, into Birmingham for the games themselves. So it's a pretty pretty quick uh, run and back to, to major competition for these athletes.
2: Just just tell them that you got someone by the name of Murdoch in your team, and they'll duck for cover, won't right they? <laughs>
14: Exactly. Yes. Hopefully, we'll, have,
2: we'll, we'll take the whole team home with us. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you will. That's a yeah, very good reply. Actually, Terry. Uh, Terry Lomax. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time this morning, updating us on, on our team's performances and the highlights so far, in the, the World Championships currently on in Oregon. Thank you, uh, and good luck uh, with what's coming forward. Thank you, Terry. Can you take some yeah, cheers. Uh, Terry Lomax there, folks. been coaching athletics uh, in this country for around 47 years. 47 years after being a very talented athlete in his youth himself. Uh, he's coached uh, throughout uh, the United Kingdom, other parts of the world, brought his experience back home, and uh, our athletes getting the benefit of that. And uh, his uh, main goal in terms of his own individual athletes at the, at the moment is uh, Hamish Kerr who uh, narrowly missed out on a place in uh, the high jump final. But uh, when you consider the number of athletes uh, these days who are not Commonwealth qualified, um, I think some of the signs here are very, very encouraging for a very successful track and field uh, performance in the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. I think we've got plenty to look forward to. It is 11.18 here on SENZ. When we return, plenty more texts to read out and some other stuff too. Oh,
0: that's quick. A little bit of glove on that, down the leg side. He's been given. Good appeal. Is it going to go upstairs and reviewed? Craig Young's going to go down and have a chat. Got a review left. Let's have a look.
11: Yeah, there's a clear spike as the ball's next to the glove. Rolly, you can stay with your original decision of out. You're on screen. Signal. Good now.
0: decision. And that means that it wraps things up. Lockie Ferguson does it in style, and New Zealand win. His first T20 match at Stormont by 31 runs.
2: And that is Craig McMillan actually coring uh, the final rights of that game wacker, of course um, out of uh, Canterbury. But George Harper Jr. is uh, in that commentary team as well I understand. Uh, look, uh, New Zealand pretty good performance to be f- perfectly honest. 173 for 8. It's not a full strength New Zealand side. Uh, good performance from uh, Glenn Phillips. 69 not out rounding off the innings. Jimmy Neesham and Martin Gupto with a bit of experience there. Um, and and getting them through to a a pretty tall order for Ireland. Proved too much, actually. Ireland 142. uh, Lockie Ferguson 4 for 14. uh, Nisham and uh, Santner back uh, at the crease as well. So uh, a pretty conclusive win, actually. That's uh, of the four games I've had against Ireland thus far. uh, I think it's fair to say that that uh, is the the best performance, uh, the most conclusive performance in the white ball cricket that we've seen. uh, And trending Well, Uh, so that was interesting also uh, we've got a little bit of audio here you you just heard a clip or two during uh, one of the promos uh, from uh, Ian Jones's interview with uh, staff yesterday afternoon Uh, didn't uh, sit on the fence at all come on a couple of issues uh, including uh, bumping into uh, the coaching staffs of uh, both sides
15: but I was down there couldn't beat Wellington on a a good day and it was a good day I went out for a jog like um, I want to do and I bumped into, firstly, some all-black coaches who chatted to, um, knew and played against some of them, um, quite vacant, not that engaging, um, really distant, uh, deer and head-like kind of stuff, and, and not, didn't fill me with a whole heap of confidence. Wow! I ran about 500 metres down the road and bumped into Andy Farrell and Paul O'Connell, the great Irish lock, a limerick man. And they were engaged, they were energized, they were confident, they were steely glazed in their eye. And I ran away actually thinking at that time, well, it's really, really interesting kind of just to, to get a sense on, on game day. And uh, all that coaches were actually out walking with um, one of the Irish coaches, Mike Catt, which I thought was also quite interesting. You know, because you're, I think if you're, if you're playing international sports, Staff, you're always trying to pick up those one-centers. The, the, the body language, you know. I think if you, Mike Cap, would have gone back, I would have thought to the hotel, thinking, "Mate, we've got these guys. They're not ready. They don't believe. They're, they're, they're not there." So I thought that was quite telling.
2: Yeah, it's a hell of an interesting comment uh, that you'd notice that kind of thing within the coaching staff as well. Uh, and Kama went uh, also on to uh, have an opinion on uh, what New Zealand rugby has to do.
15: The innovation is, is where the All Blacks have always been at. Not followers, mate. We're not followers. We, we, we're standard setters. Uh, I guess that's really the, the depth of the review would be really interesting to come out. And, and because we are hurting as All Black fans, the transparency of the reviews need to come out as well. So we have a, an idea of mm. what's happening going forward. Because we're, we're all part of this together. One of the great strengths, and there's many, many reasons why this All Black team is so good over the generation staff, but one of the reasons is their, I guess, their accessibility and their, or their connectiveness with, with the New Zealand public. Um, and that's what I want to keep remaining going forward. This All Black team are our team. We are them. They are us. Um, and, and to get that, we need to be really transparent in, in the changes that are going to come about the reasons why those changes are happening, or the reasons why um, they decided to endorse Ian Foster and his coaching staff as the people to lead us forward.
2: Interesting thoughts there from uh, Ian Jones, and uh, I think reflected also in the text that we've been getting over the last two days, uh, more of which include um, one from Warwick here. Some of the interesting that all the Crusaders or Canterbury fans who have been jumping up and down about Foster's appointment a few years back... And now making excuses for Razor before he even gets the job. If he gets the job, he's got over a year to sort things, I would have thought. Uh, Morning, Ian. Congrats on the show. Uh, It's been a great listen. Uh, The moment, Aussie, at the moment, Australia has a huge chance of rolling us in the Bledisloe. Coach problems aside, we must find a strong, tight five urgently. Good point, Brian. A really, really good point is that um, one thing that hasn't changed over those decades and dynasties of rugby that ian jones was just talking about is, uh, and coaches still say it today the game is won up front we're not winning it up front we're not winning it up front uh and when you lose four lineouts when an all-black side loses four lineouts in one half of rugby with sam whitelock back in the mix you do tend to wonder you do tend to wonder what the heck was going on there um rassy and that's Rassi erasmus of course Won the World Cup with South Africa and only took over the coaching role about a year out from the Cup. Why does it take four years to, uh, to prepare for? It's a, another Brian. And, and it, I think you'll find uh, with uh, under Steve Hanson, Sir Steve Hanson, every test match was absolute priority for him. Our World Cup was in the distance and it was always uh, on the radar. But every test match, every test match. Uh, matter to him, and I think that's the other theme that's coming through uh, from you, good people, as uh, we get your texts and phone calls, is that it's it's it, you know the World Cup's it's 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 a distant thing at the moment. It's about now. It's about the you know the, the reputation and the legacy of the All Blacks, which is uh, certainly dwindling, and the fear factor quite clearly. If you're ranked number four in the world and, and declining. Um, it's got to go out the window. Uh, I mean, the other sides must be looking at us saying, man, Ireland just talking to the cleaners, it's us next. And that might just include Australia. A little bit scary when you th- say it uh, like that. Uh, 0800 150, folks, uh, 811. 0800 811 is our phone number. Um, after the news here with Araha, we shall be playing Stump Smithy. Please join in. And uh, this, of course, uh, Stump us for the first time in our second year. That's your incentive. <laughs>
0: Year two, I've stumped Ian Smith, SNZ Morning's course now producer Logan. It was great to have JD on earlier, uh, the man, the myth, the legend that I I replaced Smithy. Uh, great to be here. Of course, you've made the big call, being the generous man that you are. Sometimes, although we're only doing a fifty dollar TAB bonus bet, what else could our contestants win today, Smithy? Well, I
2: reckon you know because it's a birthday, we give uh, just double it up a wee bit, and in terms, I won't go over a hundred bucks in the TAB. What, what about we give them? a $50 chemist warehouse voucher as well as the $50 uh, up for grabs in terms of the TAB as well. So it's a total prize package of 100 bucks just for answering three pretty simple questions I would have thought. Uh, look, if, if there's any issues, any issues with it, and the boss jumps up and down on top of you, mate, <laughs> um, don't blame me. You carry it, okay? You carry it. Right? <laughs> that is, it's as simple as that. That
0: is my burden. I'll, I'll take that, Smithy. Don't you worry, mate. I'll just twist the arms of the nice people in the sales department. But uh, first yeah. up on the line, uh, Peter from Cambridge. Come in, mate. Yeah, guys, how
8: are you? How are you?
2: Yeah, we're good, Peter. Uh, well, I'm not sure how confident we are. We'll just uh, wait and see what the, the subjects are. But, yeah, 50 bucks uh, with the Chemist Warehouse voucher and $50 from the TAB could be yours,
0: Logan. Please, the categories. Uh, before we get cracking into that, Peter, have you played Stump before? No. All right, so I'm gonna I'm just going to rattle off the rules here so you know how the game works. We do have three categories to choose from today. If you get a question wrong, then it's going to be over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bails off. Get out within those first two questions. It's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we will jackpot tomorrow. Now, today's topics for you, Peter, are the Commonwealth Games, All Blacks versus Ireland, and boxing. Take your pick. We'll go to A.B.'s Island. All right, here we go. Good luck to you both. Don't know you? You, how you guys are coping still with the series loss, but we'll keep going. James Lowe has been playing for Leinster since 2017. Of course, he was fantastic against the All Blacks on tour this month, but which MPC side did James Lowe play for from 2012 to 2017?
14: to say Canterbury.
6: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a
2: cricket field.
0: Not a red and black man, Smithy. No, um, I'm
2: just going to quickly through them in my mind. Um, Waikato. Waikato. Oof. One of the worst things I have
6: oh, ever seen God done on a cricket field.
0: Yeah. How he, quickly he, you forget. <laughs> he, played for the, he played for the Chiefs. Yes. Yes, but uh, fins up. Tasman Marcos, that's uh, who he played MPC oh rugby for.
2: Stole another one, did they? Goodness me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they sure did. So that means uh, you're still alive here, Peter. Second question for you. Playing a minimum of 10 test matches, which All Blacks captain has the highest winning percentage in the team's history? Richie McCaw. One of the worst
6: things. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It's
0: a very, very good guess. Richie is, of course, very high up on that list, but it's not Richie. Over to you, Smithy.
2: So Did he have to be captain for 10, at least? Yes. Or play 10?
0: Uh, I, be- I, be- I, be- I believe it was 10 uh, matches captain. So um, I'm not sure Buck qualifies because I think Buck
2: Shelford was unbeaten. Um, well, actually, um, on the basis he. Uh, on the basis he might have uh, kept on the side uh, ten times, but a sneaky suspicion it's only eight.
0: I will say Buck Shelford. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That is correct. Actually, I should have just looked at my notes. I've got his freaking win record here, Smithy. Ninety-six point four percent. That was his win record. That's thirteen wins, one draw, zero losses.
2: Yeah, unbeaten. I realised he was unbeaten, yeah. Okay, so, um, we've, so we've, we've
0: repelled that challenge. What's next? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Peter, back to the pavilion for you. Thanks for playing Stumped. Now we're going down to Christchurch. Gareth, come in, mate.
12: Hey, guys, how you going?
0: Hey, yeah. Gareth, uh, good morning
2: to you, mate. So uh, it's, it's all on the line here. 50 bucks from the Chemist Warehouse uh, and also
0: 50 bucks from the TAB. And the question is, Logan? The question is... Last question. All on the line, as Smithy just said, the All Blacks series lost to Ireland. That's the first time since 1986 against the Wallabies, of course. Who was Australia's captain for that historic moment at Eden Park? Ooh.
12: Come back a while. Um, What year?
0: 1986. Oh. Um...
12: Oh, I can't think that far back, boys. Um, before, I'll say Eels. I think it's, um, I think it was for his time, but I'll, I'll go for Eels.
6: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: Bit of a stumble there, Smithy. Right. And over to you. Yes, 1986. <laughs> uh, coincidentally, the year of my oh. birth. That's how far it's been.
2: Okay, right, fair enough. Um, I was going to say... I was going to say initially Nick Farr-Jones, but I think Nick Farr-Jones might have come in after that. So uh, I'm thinking um, it uh, was the same year, I think. Of, it might have been the Nelson year, was it? Well, I don't know. I could be completely and utterly wrong there. Uh, he scored four tries. But anyway, I'm going to go Tony Shaw. Tony Shaw from Australia. One of the worst
6: things I have ever seen okay. done on a cricket field.
0: Uh, Andrew Slack is the answer that I was looking for. Oh,
2: I know him doing. I know
0: him, too. I know him. I know him. Oh, the pain. <laughs> so really digging into the history books there. Uh, but, Gareth, that does mean on year, well, on our first birthday here at SCNZ, not only are going to get the $50 TAB bonus bet, but you also get the $50 Chemist Warehouse Voucher. Congrats, mate.
12: Thanks, guys. I'll take that. I fumbled my way through there, but it's a bit before my time, so um, I'll be much appreciated.
2: Gareth, it's not before my time. That's why I should have damn know and know Andrew Slack well, too. He'd be very insulted to the fact that I didn't know that. Stay on the line and Niv, Niv will get your details, so we'll get that product to you as soon as we possibly can. Congratulations, mate. And we will be back uh, here on SENZ very shortly with uh, a Mount Rushmore with a difference today. Uh, recommendations as to who we think should now be the all black hierarchy. Well, it is 11.45 here on SENZ, uh, and it's not quite a Mount Rushmore today, but it is an issue of Mount Rushmore-type proportion. That's what we need. We've got to fix it. We've got to fix the deal. So you can't just sit back and say this and that, and he should go and he should go without uh, a logical um, replacement option. Um, So this is what uh, Logan and I have worked on. uh, I hardly slept last night working on this, to be perfectly honest, coming up with a really... Um, sensible way to go about things and bearing in mind of course uh, you know we've got uh, young coaches on the way up and how we're going to uh, nurture them on their way through so uh, we both had a, have had a, a stab at this uh, Logan I'll give you uh, you can bet first on this one um, what you would do if you were the NZr authorities uh, charged with the responsibility of either keeping or changing your comment uh, your commentary team your uh, coaching team
0: well, firstly, Smithy, uh, it is a different Mount Rushmore, and typically, you we would be playing little clips of audio here and there of uh, different athletes or events that have happened in history. Uh, a little bit different with coaches because I mean, typically we only hear them in, in press conferences. Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're grumpy. Uh, I do de- I do have uh, our two head coach picks. I do know Al's are different, which uh, I think listeners will find interesting. I know I do my picks. I probably, I don't think I stayed up all night like you did, Smithy. I stayed up all night uh, over other things to do with the show, to be fair. Uh, But I did think about it probably a bit more with my heart than perhaps my my brain or my wallet. I know earlier in the show, you were talking about the financial side of things, how uh, expensive it could be for New Zealand rugby to buy some of these guys out. But I really love this idea of having a director of rugby. We've seen it with Wayne Smith there with uh, the Black Ferns. And, yeah, I like this idea of it happening with the All Blacks as well. There's the potential that maybe whoever it is could oversee both. But having said that, I don't think it should be Wayne Smith as much as I do love the Professor. I'm going with Joe Schmidt here uh, purely. Um, and my reason behind this, Smithy, is, I mean, we have a little bit of history Uh joe schmidt and myself as he was the deputy principal uh, at Totonga boys college when i was there and my pe teacher yeah, well. and uh, honestly the fact that he's gone on to have the career that he had with ireland you know winning the six nations what was it like three times including a grand slam he has a fantastic rugby mind as well smithy so uh, if we're going to go for a director of rugby i think he's the kind of guy that you need
2: OK, uh, I'll put him in my mix as well, Joe Smith, the reason why he's uh, he's in there. Anyway, um, and you cannot judge him or um, put anything on him in the, uh, the recent run of performances. In fact, the only game that he was anywhere near hands-on with, uh, we won at Eden Park the other day. So, uh, so Joe Smith has to stay. I mean, he's, he's part of the group. He'd be on the payroll anyway. He's a nice, easy one, Joe Smith. He's a guarantee, uh, but not as head coach for me. So, OK, you carry on with yours.
0: Uh, so next I'll, I'll just quickly rattle off my assistants uh, and I think the assistants will probably give away who the head coach might be Leon McDonald is definitely one of them I love the way he's turned things around there with the Blues he's got the backs sorted and then I think when you look at forwards uh, friend of the show great love having him on Jason Ryan has done amazing things there with the Crusaders they're just so formidable there in the forwards I just think you have to have him Smithy
2: Okay, so you've got Scott Robertson, Leon McDonald, Jason Ryan and Joe Smith overseeing the whole deal. Like it, very, very strong, um, very successful. Um, you've got the two most uh, prolifically successful, of, of late anyway, um, uh, super coaches and, and Scott Robertson and Leon McDonald. Uh, Scott Robertson's got to be the boss, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in that regard, in that mix. So I like it. Um, and I think if it isn't this time round, it'll be next time round, that look. You might be about uh, 14 months, a little bit premature. Uh, This is what I would do. I would keep Ian Foster, and just watch the phone lines light up now. I would keep Ian Foster, uh, steam coming out of the text machines. I I, I would have him uh, for a number of uh, reasons. I just don't don't think he's got the right guys with him. I really don't. Um, He... he, um, He's been around the scene for quite some time, been part of a group that knows how to win a World Cup. Didn't win it last time, but uh, with Steve Hansen, he has won a World Cup. Let's not forget that. Uh, Joe Smith is clearly in my mix as well, uh, and uh, in an advisory capacity and overseeing capacity uh, and all a selection capacity in particular, uh, along with Ian Foster. Clayton McMillan comes in as uh, coach of the Chiefs, but coach of the Māori All Blacks as well. One of the reasons I want that in there is because um, you cannot run from the fact that uh, we have a lot of Maori and Island personnel in there and he knows quite clearly how to get them gelling in the mix there and I think you've got to have that. I think it's a huge part of it. Uh, so Clayton McMillan comes in and I think a nice pathway for him as well. Uh, Leon McDonald comes in. Um, you know, He will look after the backs, etc. Clayton McMillan, the forwards. Uh, and then as an assistant, I mean, Leon McDonald, I think, is a terrific coach, very popular, uh, and knows what it's, it's all about. And coming through the Crusaders system as a player as well. Um, and Mike Cron, I think you can't ignore the fact that 14 months out, we've got to win the game up front. We had a pretty good scrum at Eden Park. And then uh, when Mike Cron was called in during the COVID-type debacle, uh, it looked like things were going pretty well. He walks away from the, the team and uh, all of a sudden we're under pressure there. So uh, I, I know it sounds a little bit top-heavy in numbers-wise, but there's a lot of experience there, and uh, we need experience going through to uh, a World Cup. We need, uh, we've need we got to have guys that have been there before um, in the mix, and there are three of them there, Foster, Smith, and Mike Cron. So that's my mix. It's uh, not the seven or eight that they've got now. I'd cut the numbers down under the too-many-cooks-spoiler-broth theory, uh, but that's where I'm going. So it won't happen, but that would just be me. There you go.
0: No, I like that. I like that, Smithy. I think that's a very solid. Uh, I love the choice of Clayton McMillan. Um, I love what he's been doing with, obviously, the Māori All Blacks and with the Chiefs. So good picks there. Uh, because just one thing, though, Fozzie, you, you just gotta make sure you talk to him about the task at hand.
11: Look, I'm, I, I just want to talk about this test match.
0: Okay, well. We'll
2: talk about the next one, and that's in South Africa, and I think he'll be there. So there you go. Just get the knives. Put the knife away, will you? And play the ads. Go on. That's your job. Thank you so much uh, for all your texts and things today. I've had a couple come in um, and reply to my uh, Mount Rushmore selection. I totally understand where you're coming from, Nick, um, Paul, etc., Uh, Look, and and we will uh, get to... I'm going to keep those texts, all of those texts, because they'll still be current tomorrow. Uh, So Dan, uh, you, Sean, Jim, John, uh, we'll we'll, uh, talk about those uh, subjects tomorrow morning in our first uh, window of opportunity. We'll hold on to them. Thank you. Thanks very much for all your correspondence today. It's been great. Uh, And it will continue to be great this afternoon. Uh, Mark Stafford, of course, uh, been here since day one. Hardly missed a day, actually, Staff. Always rely on Staff to be here fit and well. Uh, Staff... Listen, uh, Midday Madness today on our birthday day.
13: Yeah, uh, a little bit nostalgic, Smithy, given that we're a year old. I'm just going to be asking for people's favourite sporting highlight of the last 12 months. And we've got a whole heap to choose from, haven't we? And uh, I want right from, you know, gold medals, Paul Cole, all of those great stuff, to maybe your local rugby club winning for the first time in many years or beating a foe. Let's just share some... Success and good times in the sporting fields, your sporting fields. Yeah, I think it's a good idea, too, because uh, the last 48 hours have been anything but uh, good times
2: and good sharings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be perfectly honest. Sharings, that's right up there with
13: learnings, isn't it? It's right uh, Steph, up <laughs> right up there with me. Uh, what else, mate? What else uh, after that? Well, Hamish Mackay didn't answer his phone yesterday, so he promises he will today. Mm. So uh, we will be talking to him. Also going to chat with Chris Collins. We talked to him pre-Tour de France, so we're sort of halfway through. Have a reset with Chris Collins, our cycling expert. Might have Brad Walter from nrl.com yet to be confirmed, but uh, cutting-edge stuff, Smithy. You know, leave it to the last minute. Mm. And Zoe Hobbs will join us out of Oregon after a wonderful performance on the world stage at the 100 metres.
2: I reckon she's a big chance, uh, Zoe Hobbs, to be very close to a medal. The Commonwealth is, Isn't it great? To, isn't it great? Isn't it great to see the New Zealand singlet? And I so look forward to that. I think we're going to go all right in track and field. I mm. really do. Mm. Strong Commonwealth Games, I'm predicting. We've had a strong show today. Thanks so much for your help today, Aroha. Uh Thank you as always, Niv, for sitting in today. For Brian, done a great job, fella. We'll catch you tomorrow. And to you too, Logan, have uh, a great remainder of the afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow.